Yeah, excited about Thanksgiving. I mean, like, really excited about Thanksgiving. Huh? Now, some of y'all just want some mashed potatoes and gravy. Right? Yeah, Jared, Jared wants some mashed potatoes and gravy. Some, some of you, you know, you just want that turkey. Right? Yeah, yeah, y'all ain't as excited about the turkey, is you? What about sweet potato casserole? Yeah, some of y'all into that. Yeah. What about the, what about the dressing? Yeah. Man, we're getting some testimonies now, huh? What? Pecan pie. I hear you. So, rolls. Yeah, rolls with good old butter dripping off of them. Yeah. Man, now we're talking Thanksgiving, right? And, huh? Cranberry sauce. All right. I I think I started a bad thing because y'all just going to go all day, right? Y'all just going to keep adding to the menu one at a time, at a time, at a time, right? Uh, time for lunch. Yeah, Bob's is calling, right? So we are, we are in the week of Thanksgiving, and what a time for us to reflect, right? And, and TJ said something, and, and I, want, I want to hit it, and it's a lot where my spirit is this week too, but when he was opening service, he said something about, um, you know, we're supposed to be thankful all the time. He said that, or something similar to that. And, you know, but, it, but it's at Thanksgiving that we kind of stop and we reflect, and we respond in our thanksgiving, right? Whereas most of the year, we don't, or at least not to the degree we do this time of year. And whether that's because we don't reflect well enough, we don't pause long enough, or whatever the reason might be, we might struggle in our thanksgiving. So I want to share a verse with you. Uh, that highlights nine people who missed Thanksgiving. Nine people who missed Thanksgiving. And um, I want to share that with you this morning. Out of Luke chapter 17, and we're going to start reading at verse 11. And, and we're going to work our way through to the end of the chapter with God's help this morning uh, and, and with your prayers. So, so be with us this morning. And it came to pass... As he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And as he entered into a certain village, there met him ten men that were lepers, which stood afar off. And they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. And when they saw him, he said unto them, Go show yourself unto the priests. And it came to pass that as they went, they were cleansed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, turned back And with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet, giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. And Jesus answering said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that returned, there are not found that returned to give glory to God, save this stranger. And he said unto him, Rise, go thy way, thy faith hath made thee whole. We're going to stop there for just a moment and pray. Father, what a privilege you've given us to stand in a place this morning where we can truly be thankful, not just this week, but every week and every Sunday of our lives. God, that we can choose to step in out of the world. We can choose to pause everything else going on in our life, and we can focus solely on your Son, Jesus Christ. God, that we're given the privilege and the opportunity, God, to see him as he is and to allow his glory to manifest itself into who we are. 
God, we not, we're not worthy. God, we fall way short. Uh, and Lord, sometimes we don't understand why you tolerate us. But your mercy and your grace are faithful and they're everlasting. And God, they move upon us in a way that is with power, in a way that is with the glory of heaven. And so we're thankful for that today. Thankful, Lord, that you saw fit, Lord, to save us and saw fit to draw us into your glorious presence. So as we stand here this day, we pray, dear God, that you pour out your spirit upon this message. Give the words of heaven and not of Jay today. And God, we pray most of all, that your name would be lifted up in this place, that lives would be drawn to you, and God, that your glory would faint over all of us. We ask and pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So this is not an unfamiliar scripture to anyone. And the idea of nine people who missed Thanksgiving isn't unfamiliar to us at all. Maybe it's never really been put into the context of Thanksgiving, but the reality for all of us is that we've heard this story, we know that ten were cleansed, and we know that nine went about their way and one came to Jesus, right? Why do you think that was? So for, for, to help us with this, let's, let's understand leprosy for just a moment. Leprosy was, was a horrible disease and a horrible thing that happened back in that day. And I guess it's still kind of around today, but not on that level. And medicine is, is better today to treat it and deal with it uh, and so forth. But back in that day, they didn't know how to handle it. Back in that day, it was, it was almost like zombie level stuff, right? And, and so they would be cast out into the streets. I read a Max Lucado book several years ago, and, and he described it this way. He said, imagine getting up in the morning and going to the bathroom to shave, and as you shave, you notice that part of your skin falls off. And you freak out, and you, you look at your arm. Hey, I don't think he said freak out. I said freak out. But you, you look at your arms and, and, and everything else, and you start to see the same type of abrasions and the same kind of things starting to happen on your skin. And out of panic, you holler for your wife, and your wife comes running in, and, and the horror fills her face. And she says, honey, you, you better go show yourself to the priest. And knowing what those words mean, knowing the, the level and the, the depth and the weight of those words would mean that life would never be the same again if you were found unclean would just truly pierce a heart. And then you go and you show yourself to the priest and the priest looks at you. He doesn't pat you on the shoulder. He doesn't hug you. He doesn't wipe away your tears. But instead he points a finger at you and he says, unclean! And banishes you to the outskirts of the city. Banishes you to the camps. You can't come home. You can't come have dinner with your family. You can't, you can't play in the yard with your kids. You can't even stand outside and watch them come home from school. You're banished. You're sent away without promise, without hope, without assistance. You're simply unclean. That's what happened in the Bible days if you had leprosy. And sometimes the leprosy would disappear. And you could go to the priest and show yourself to the priest again. And the, and the priest would then give you a reprieve. And you could return to life as you knew it. But it was rare. It would rarely happen. 
Now imagine if you're in that, and I imagine, Max Lucado didn't say this, this is me thinking, but I imagine that if I was in that situation, every time I thought for a minute I was better, I would run to the priest. Every, every time I thought for just a second, hey, it's not as bad as it was yesterday, let me, let me go show myself to the priest. And maybe repeatedly, the priest would look at me and point his finger and he would say, unclean. And I would have to, I would have to return to the outskirts of the city. Wondering how my wife is, wondering how my kids is, wondering what's going on in their life because they weren't even allowed near me because I was a leper. Can't imagine the heartbreak, can't imagine the pain, can't imagine the, the trouble, can't imagine the, the despair that people in this situation faced, how they lived and how they carried on. Probably got to a place of hopelessness, a place where they saw no deliverance, a place where they saw no, no opportunity for healing or salvation. Basically, in give-up mode. Any of us ever been in give-up mode? Any of us ever been in that place where we couldn't see the hope, and we couldn't see the promise, and we couldn't see the opportunity for deliverance? Amen? I've been there. I've been there. Amen. And then they hear of this man named Jesus and he just happens to pass by them on this day and they call out to him and they beg for mercy. And maybe they've heard the stories of when Jesus spat in the mud and, and put it in a blind man's eyes and he could see. Maybe they heard the story of another leper who called out to Jesus and Jesus simply went and touched him and he was made whole. Maybe they heard the stories of... Uh, the paralyzed walking, and maybe they heard stories of, uh, of, you know, those who had endured many great things finding their miracle. And so they called out to Jesus, just like me, and hopefully just like you. They called out to him, and he said, go show yourself to the priest. And they didn't notice at that moment that they were cleansed, but the scripture tells us that they noticed on the way to the priest that they were cleansed. wonder what their conversation was. Some, maybe they were, maybe they were talking amongst themselves. He didn't touch me like he touched that guy. He didn't, he didn't come and pray over us like he prayed over that one. Man, if he would have just spat in mud and rubbed it on this stuff, it would be gone. Amen? I've always said that Jesus had the power with the lady with the issue of blood who touched the hem of his garment he had, he had the power, knowing she was struggling to get to him, to snap his finger, you know, cause a little wind to blow and, and make that, that garment easier to get to. He had every opportunity not to let it get to that place or get to that point. But he allowed it to happen the way that he did so that he could teach us, so that he could show us who he was and what he was capable of and where his strength and where his power laid. It was for me and it was for you. And in this moment, as they're going, they all noticed that they were cleansed. They all noticed that their skin had cleared up. They all noticed that the oozing and the blood had gone away. They all noticed that they were now healed of their leprosy. And for nine, they were excited. 
For nine of them, they were, they were excited. For nine of them, they began talking about their wife. They began talking about their kids. Nine of them began talking about getting to go back to work and pay the bills. Nine of them got to talk about, uh, about all that they could do and all that, how this was going to bring life back to normal and how all of this was going to change and how all of this was going to bring their life back together again. And so they ran to the priest and forgot about Jesus. One stopped and realized, I'm cleansed. I'm whole. And it would have never happened without the Savior. And he turned and he went back to Jesus. And I'm going to read to you again what, what transpired between them because I think, I think we need to pay attention to this. It says, And one of them, when he saw that he was healed... He turned back and with a loud voice glorified God. And he fell down on his face at Jesus' feet, giving him thanks because he was delivered. He was healed. He was cleansed. And from that, he saw his need in Jesus. Friends, if we're not careful, we'll allow life, we'll allow circumstances, we'll allow situations, we'll allow people, we'll allow everything coming and going to make us forget about our need of Jesus Christ. And we will fail to give Him thanks. We will fail to give him glory, we will fail to cry out with our voice, our thanks. And we'll miss Thanksgiving. We might not miss the turkey. I ain't gonna miss the turkey. Huh? It's the only time of year we fry one of those babies, and I love every bite of it, right? I ain't gonna miss the mashed potatoes and gravy. I ain't gonna miss those rolls, Jared. Amen. That sweet potato casserole. I'm not much of a dessert eater, but I like some good old sweet potato casserole for dessert on Thanksgiving. I ain't going to miss that either. Amen. And I'll probably find my way to some pumpkin pie, TJ. Yeah? And what we, what we find is, and that, that's okay, man. Enjoy your Thanksgiving. Enjoy your family. Let it light up your life this week, the time you spend with them. Cherish those moments. Take lots of pictures. That you can reflect on later. My kids drive me crazy because they're, they're, they're like, man, dad's always taking pictures. Even my wife is like, would you stop? Right? And I rarely post them because I get in really bad trouble if I post them. Like, like really bad trouble. Right? Like some of y'all get in trouble because, you know, you sass or you give bad looks or whatever. I get that if I post something on Facebook. I can't even name her. I have to say you know who, right? So that you all know who. Right? I can't even say her name. But, but the reality for us is that we need to cherish those moments. And I'm not at all trying to take your holiday away from you. I hope it is everything that, that you want it to be. Amen? And make it about your family and make it about your kids and make it about the people around you. Amen? And cherish that time and cherish those moments. But I would encourage you today to make it about Jesus too. Amen? Make it about Jesus too. TJ asked about, you know, who's, 
you know, who's kind of tuned everything out and getting ready for the week off and the, and the time spent and everything else. And sometimes when it comes to Jesus, that's exactly what we need to do. We need to turn off all the noise. And we need to get alone with him and understand why he matters and why he's important in our life. And I encourage you to do that this Thanksgiving. I encourage you to be the one that comes back to Jesus and acknowledges all that he is and all that he has done in your life. We don't know what this leper had endured. We don't know how long he had been outside of the, outside of the skirts of the city. We don't know how long he'd been removed from his family, his job, everything else. We don't, we don't know his story. But what we know is that while everyone else just wanted back what they had lost and ran to the priest, this one found something in Jesus. This one realized that Jesus was more important than getting back home, and this one was more important than getting back to work. This one understood that going back to Jesus was more important than anything else because Jesus had done for him what no one else could do. And he realized something deeper and he understood something more, more passionately and he understood something spiritual about what had taken place. And his heart burned and drove him to go back to the one who had set him free. And so he comes back to Jesus and he worships him and he falls at his feet. A friend of mine posted... Uh, something on Facebook, a good preacher friend of mine, and uh, I forget what state he's in, Tennessee, I think. And, and he posted something that, that showed all of these families reuniting in heaven and hugging each other and, and so forth. And, and it, the caption on it was, this is what heaven will be like. And, and I, down in the comments, and he, you know, we, we go way back, so he knows I wasn't being one of those guys. But I, I said, bro, I said, fam's going to have to step, family's going to have to step aside uh, a little bit because I'm going to spend the first few hundred years at Jesus' feet. Amen. I love my mom. God knows I love my mom. Amen. And God knows I can't wait to see my mom again and how much I regret that she's not here enjoying the things going on in life for us at this time and at this moment. But I'm going to have to tell mom to move aside for a little bit. Amen. Because I want to go back to Jesus. I want to find Jesus. I want to lay at his feet. And I want to shout the glory that he has brought into my life. I want him to know beyond any shadow of a doubt that there is nothing more important to him than me. And I will worship him for a thousand years. Amen. And then I'll kiss mama on the cheek. Amen. Because Jesus is my all in all. And without him, without him, seeing mama in heaven wouldn't even be possible. And I acknowledge that and I understand that. And we need to live like that. We need to think like that. And our thanksgiving needs to be an everyday thing. Our thanksgiving needs to be something that drives us. Our thanksgiving, because of what Jesus has done in our life, needs to be something that causes us to be different. I don't want to be one of the nine. I don't want to be someone who takes him for granted. I don't want to be someone that spare tires him every time I have a need and call out to him. Amen. I want to be someone that he sees as a worshiper and someone that says that Jay is living and walking in the manifest glory of my presence. Amen. That's where I want to live and that's where I want to walk. And that's where I want to breathe. Amen. 
And that's why I'm constantly challenging you guys to step into that glory and to step into the power and the manifestation of who Jesus is in your life and let it live in you and let it drive in you the fire and the passion to become all that you're meant to be in who he is. How did Jesus respond? Jesus responded to him like this. Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? There are not found that return to give glory to God, save this stranger. I get it. If I was removed from my boys, first thing I I would do is I would knock down every door on my way to get back to them. So I get it, right? But if we're not careful, family will become our idol. Amen? If we're not careful, we will allow family, we will allow pursuits of of passions and glories to replace where Jesus should hold his position in our life. Doesn't mean that we don't love. Doesn't mean that we're not passionate about my kids, right? Right? I might be a little passionate about holding, right? But understand this. I choose Jesus. I choose Jesus today, and I choose Jesus tomorrow, and I will choose Jesus every day after that. And I will create a path to the best of my, best of my ability for them to choose him too. Amen? But I will choose Jesus. Someone asked me one time, they said, what happens if, if Sam falls off the road and everything else? What are you going to do? You're going to quit? I said, I'm going to choose Jesus. Whatever that looks like, whatever that means, however that goes, I don't know, but I'm going to choose Jesus. And you want to know what? She knows I'm going to choose Jesus. So there, there is no question in her mind who I'll choose. I'll choose Jesus. Amen. Amen? And guess what? There's no question in my mind who she'll choose. Amen? That's why I married her. Right? I didn't want a so-so. I didn't want a so-so Christian wife. I wanted an all-in Christian wife. Amen? I wanted someone burning with the same pursuits of God's glory that I burned with. Amen? Because I don't want to be out there praising Him and thanking Him and worshiping Him and talking about Him and her being somewhere over here worrying about where the priest is. Amen. So we are called to a place and a life of thanksgiving. One came back. Nine went away. And and Jesus asked. He knew. He knew their heart. He knew where they were. But Jesus asked, why are there only nine? Amen. What if he were to show up today? I haven't counted. I never count how many are here. but, but, But what if he came today and everything else? And he said, how come there's only 50 or 60? How come there's only 100? How come there's only 200? How come everyone I've touched, everyone I've blessed, everyone I've answered prayers to, how come they're not here? What are they doing? Where are they at? Well, they're, they're back to life, Jesus. They're back to doing what they did before the leprosy. They're back to pursuing the worldly stuff. Amen? They're thankful for your touch. They're glad you showed up today. But they've got more important things to do. Huh? 
Did y'all hear me? They have more important things to do. They have more important places to be. They have other stuff going on. Amen? It's not too hard to become one of the nine. It's not too hard to be someone who chooses life over Jesus. It's not too hard to let yourself miss Thanksgiving like they did. And if we're not careful... If we're not careful, we we will go show ourselves to the priest and we will run home and we will justify it every way we can. You don't know what my kids are going through. You don't know what I'm going through. You don't know what my job's like. You don't know how bad the bills are. You don't know how bad all of this is. Do you not think that if Jesus can cleanse you of leprosy, do you not think if Jesus can deliver you out of your sin, red as crimson, That he can't continue to move in your life and make straight all of those things that possess you. Amen? This is why we're not thankful, church. This is is why we struggle the other 51 weeks of the year with being thankful. Amen? Because like the nine, we run to everything else while, while waving at Jesus. Hmm? How many of you just waving at Jesus this morning? Amen? How many of you just waving at him from afar? Saying, thank you, Lord. But he is is calling us. He is calling us to something deeper. He is calling us to something more passionate. He's calling us to something that is more real and something that is more alive than we fathom. One out of ten got it. One out of ten said, whoa. Whoa, wait a minute. I'm not going to find this anywhere else. My life isn't going to get changed like this anywhere else. My life isn't going to step into something like this anywhere else. Something just happened in me and on me and around me and through me. Amen. That had to come from something out of the glory of God. I'm going back. Oh, you're not listening to me, huh? I'm going back. Amen? Because there's something transformational about that. There is something beyond my job. There is something beyond my home. There is something beyond my life that just happened. And I need to get a hold of it. I need to figure it out. And I need it to live in me every day. Amen? So he ran back to Jesus and he fell out his feet and he cried out in glory. He cried out in thanksgiving. He cried out in the worth of who Jesus was in his life. And it goes on. Jesus Jesus now turns to teacher. He moves from healer to teacher to help everyone there understand what just took place. And he says... When he was demanded to the Pharisees when the kingdom of God should come, he answered them and said, The kingdom of God cometh not with observation. Neither shall they say, Lo, here 
or lo there. For behold, the kingdom of God is within you. There is a huge dividing line. There is a huge dividing line between those of us that want the touch of Jesus when we want it and need it, and those of us who choose to walk in the manifest glory and presence of his kingdom in our life. Huh? I can prove that. Not, not myself. I can prove it by this. Amen. There is a dividing line for us to step into all that God has versus just enjoying him a moment here and there in our life. Amen. And when, and when we choose when we choose to step into the kingdom, things happen. Amen. And we, and we need to take all of this in. I'm going to try to hurry. The days will come, verse 22, the days will come when ye shall desire to see one of the days of the Son of Man and shall not see it. What's he mean? The days are going to come when lepers aren't going to be healed. The days are going to come when people aren't going to be delivered on the level of deliverance that we read about in Scripture and that we should be seeing in our churches. Amen. The day is going to come. And we can spend some time in Ezekiel and Daniel and Revelations, amen, to prove that to you. Amen. The day will come. And they shall say to you, see, see here or see there. Go not after them nor follow them. For as the lightning that lighteneth out of the part under heaven shineth unto the other part under heaven, so shall also the Son of Man be in his day. But first he must suffer many things and be rejected of his generation. Talking about those who choose the priests more than him. Amen? When we choose the world, when we choose the things of the world, when we choose the carnality of this life, including the carnality of the church, instead of Jesus, amen, we have rejected him. And we lose our thanksgiving when we do. We lose our thanksgiving when we do. And so it was in the day of Noah, so shall it be also in the days of the Son of Man. They did eat. They drank, they married wives, they were given in marriage until the day that Noah entered into the ark and the flood came and destroyed their ark. I just kind of wonder, I just kind of wonder if maybe one of those lepers went back and found his fiance and said, honey, let's go ahead and get married. I wonder if maybe some of them went back and had a great big old feast with their family and they did eat and they did drink. Sometimes I think so, so much of Jesus' teaching aren't parables as much as they are understanding and knowing what's in man's heart and he's speaking to it in those places and in those moments. Defining it not just for, for himself and his disciples, but he's defining it for them to see their need of him and to understand the presence that they stand in and what they are being called into. Amen? I sometimes think this is how... He's teaching in that moment. Until that day, Noah entered into the ark, and the flood came and destroyed them all. Likewise, verse 28, also, as it was in the days of Lot, they did eat, they drank, they bought, they sold, they planted, they builded. But the same day that Lot went out of Sodom, it rained fire and brimstone from heaven and destroyed them all. Amen. Sometimes we can, we can lose our thanksgiving by becoming Lot's wife. I want to escape. I don't want to be part of, I don't want to be part of the destruction. But but I, I'm gonna I'm gonna celebrate it from here, Jesus. I'm gonna I'm gonna I'm gonna worship and, and give you know, my thanksgiving from here, Jesus. And we look back 
choosing to be just what we always were in our heart. Choosing to think the way we always thought in our heart. You see, somewhere we have to get the revelation of who Jesus is and what Jesus is offering us in this life. It doesn't mean that he won't answer your prayer. It doesn't mean that some of us aren't saved and going to heaven. But it means that we're still living in the misery and, and, and the treachery of this world rather than stepping into the pure, bountiful kingdom of heaven. Some of us still continue to, to wrestle with the abominations of this life. We still, we still are entangled in spiritual warfares that we think are out of our control. And some of those spiritual warfares become fleshly warfares and entanglements. And we think they're beyond our control. And Jesus says, man, if you would, if you would just come to me, I would make those paths straight. If you would come to me, I would heal, I would forgive and I would stamp out everything that holds you back. And I would put you on a path of glory. My glory. And you see, that's tough for some of us, right? Because some of us are, are calling out God's glory all while we're walking in our glory. Thanks for that. Man, sometimes things come out of my mouth. But hey, it's true. There's no script. I didn't have that written down. God just... God just put it out there. But sometimes it's true. Amen? We're claiming God's glory. We're telling everybody about God's glory all while we're sticking around, walking around with our chest puffed out, feeling good about ourselves, thinking we're above this or above that. Amen? What, is, what does Jesus say about that? Even thus, verse 30, even thus shall it be in the day of the Son of Man is revealed. In that day, he which shall be Upon the housetop and his stuff in the house, let him not come down to take it away. And he that is in the field, let him likewise not return back. Remember Lot's wife, whosoever shall seek his, whosoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. Nine people not only lost their thanksgiving, but they lost the opportunity of life with Jesus. They lost the opportunity of life with a glorified Savior moving and manifesting Himself in them because they were more worried about what was than what will be. Whoever shall seek to save his life shall lose it. And whosoever shall lose his life shall preserve it. What does that mean? It means when you give yourself to Jesus, he's going to pour into you more than you can fathom. He's going to take care of all of those other things that we run home for. He's going he's to bless you with those things. He's going to take care of those things. He's going to lead you in a way to ensure that those needs are met all while manifesting who he is into who you are. Amen? And our hearts would be filled with thanksgiving. I tell you, in that night there shall be two men in one bed. The one shall be taken, the other shall be left. Two women shall be grinding together. The one shall be taken, the other left. Two men shall be in the field. The one shall be taken, 
and the other left. And they answered and said unto him, Where, Lord? And he said unto them, Whosoever the body is, wheresoever the body is, thither will the eagles be gathered together. And what he's saying to us is this. The Bible teaches us that he's seeking to save that which is lost. The Bible also tells us that, that he is searching for those who worship him in spirit and truth. Amen? What does that mean? He is calling us to a spiritual place, a place that we realize not in body, but a place where we realize in spirit who he is and what he has for our life. You see, the one realized that something, something spiritual and something overwhelming had just happened in his life. And he realized that if he can do this, I want all that he can do. I want all that he can do. Amen? I was talking to someone uh, over text the last couple of days about gifts and, and, and the use of gifts and the misuse of gifts and, and all of these things. And they shared some things with me and, and different things. And I'm reading through that and everything else. And, and let, me, let me say this. Amen? It's one thing to pursue the gifts, amen? But if you ain't pursuing Jesus first, do not expect yourself to be overwhelmed with the presence of his glory. Do not expect it, amen? Because this isn't about you. This is about him. This is about who he is and what he's doing and what he can do in you, amen? And so we're called to a place of thanksgiving. We are called to a place where we honor him because of what he has done and with expectation and hope of what he's going to do. Amen? But I think so many times we've, we've run back to everything that we were so fast and so quick that we don't really get a glimpse of that glory. Amen? And, and trust me, there's nothing wrong with moments at the altar. Amen? But those moments at the altar should be just like this guy, transformational, because you're choosing Jesus above everything else. Not just so you can get up and run back to the same place as you were before you came. Amen? That's what nine did. That's what nine did, and they lost their thanksgiving. They lost reward and they lost promise and they lost hope. So many of us sit and, 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 and we wonder why God's not answering our prayers and we sit and we wonder in hopelessness about, about why God's not moving here and why God's not moving there. Maybe we just need to go to him and worship him. Maybe we just need to go to him and be thankful. Maybe we just need to go to him and acknowledge him as the all in all, the bright and morning star, the alpha and the omega, the beginning and the end. Maybe we need to, to acknowledge him as the word, amen, which came and dwelt among us. Maybe we need to acknowledge him as the beacon to our need and to our life, a light in the very darkness in which we walk, 
Amen? And if we live focused on Him like that, if we, live, if we live determined in Him like that, and we allow ourselves to be at a place where our fire is lit not by self-worth or self-deed, but our fire is lit by the very understanding of who Jesus is and becoming like that, man, imagine. Imagine where we'll go. Imagine what we'll do. Imagine what we'll see. Amen? You're no different than others. Even the, even the disciples struggled with this. Even the disciples struggled with this idea of, of being the cool kids. Right? They'd never been the cool kids before. Right? Now they're hanging out with Jesus. And all of a sudden they're the cool kids because everyone's coming to see Jesus and they're friends with Jesus. So, hey, we're one of the cool kids. Right? Totally missed the, the healing of, of the woman with the issue of blood because they were captivated by what? The crowd. They may have just went back to the priest. Right? Because they're focused on the things that, that weren't of Jesus. Amen? And they missed it. So Jesus had to stop everything. Right? Jairus freaking out because his daughter's dying and they're stopping in the street to teach about why they missed the healing with the issue of blood. Right? Sometimes we're no different. We run to everything else. We focus on everything else. We pay attention to the things that embellish what makes us feel good about ourselves instead of what makes us feel good about Jesus. Amen? And we miss Thanksgiving. I think you understand. I think you get the point. I don't want to beat you up, man. I want you to enjoy Thursday. I want you to enjoy all the goodies. I want you to enjoy your family and love them. And like I said, take bunches of pictures, put them on the internet, and I promise I'm going to heart it. Amen. Because I love to see you loving your families and having those moments and, and everything else like that. But most of all, the thing I love the most is when I see you falling at Jesus' feet and wrapping your arms around them and choosing him above everything else.